0: You are listening to the Fantasy Doctors Major League Baseball Podcast, where we use our expertise in the world of sports as well as medicine to bring you the most up-to-date injury news and analysis. Hello and welcome to Episode 6 of the Fantasy Doctors Major League Baseball Podcast. We are here in the midst of Season 2 of this podcast through the thefantasydoctors.com, a group of physicians and physical therapists bringing you all sorts of injury insight when it comes to fantasy sports. Obviously, this is our Major League Baseball podcast. We've got our NFL content up and rolling. We've got a wonderful injury package that we've got out for all of you. Uh, It's $4.99 to get exclusive injury content from medical experts, so be sure to check that out. Again, this is episode six. My name is Brandon Bowers. I am a doctor doctor of physical therapy. And as always, Aaron Berger, doctor of physical therapy, joining me from the state of Pennsylvania. Aaron, it's been a couple weeks, as always, since we've last chatted. Is there anything new that's on your end and what's been going on in your life? I'm gonna sound like a broken record here, Brandon, but we're still just studying
1: for the boards over here. Uh, they're next Thursday, so getting a little anxious about that. But we've been taking practice tests and just really shoring up some loose ends. So we're feeling, we're feeling good going into it. But it'll be nice to get it over with once it's uh, once it's finally here.
0: Yeah, I remember uh, a few years ago when I took my board exam, I had actually uh, similar to you had accepted my first job before I took the board exam, and um, I got invited to a company event at the Columbus Clippers, the AAA affiliate of the Indians here uh, in town I got invited to this event the day after I took my board exam and it was meant to be a social event and interact with physicians and other people who work for us and I mean I'm a baseball guy through and through I love the sport of baseball but I was not able to enjoy the game because I was just so stressed out of whether or not I passed the exam I'm like well if I didn't pass then I look like an idiot to these people so I love <laughs> baseball but that was the most miserable baseball game I've attended in my life. Yeah,
1: I'm sure it was definitely hard to focus on the game. There's so many things running through your mind. I'm, I'm kind of, like uh, like you were saying, I accepted my first job. So I not only have all the cost of the of the board riding on, on this, it's just like final, final pass, man, there goes that first job. But I'm well, pretty confident going into it. It'll, it'll okay. it,
0: sounds, it sounds like uh, you'll do well. Obviously, you've been putting all the necessary preparations. So uh, be sure to give Aaron a shout on Twitter and wish him luck on that board exam as that comes up uh, for him next week. Let's dive in, Aaron. New injuries. Nick Senzel for the Cincinnati Reds, an ankle sprain. What can you tell us about uh, this ailment he's dealing with? Yeah, it looks like he
1: dodged a bullet here for the uh, number two overall pick in 2016. Uh, the number one prospect in the red system and number seven overall in baseball, um, according to MLB.com. He exited the game against uh, your, your Indians on July 7th, right before the All-Star break. Um, slammed into the wall trying to make a catch. It looked pretty, looked pretty gruesome. They, they were thinking maybe an, a knee injury at first. Um, Turned out through uh, through a thorough examination, MRI, um, that he had an ankle sprain, um, most likely a grade one sprain, which if if you've been listening, you've kind of uh, been educated that is the the least severe of all the sprains. We're just looking at some, um, just some micro traumas within the ligament there. Um, Most likely the lateral ankle, ankle ligaments, we're looking at the anterior talofibular ligament, which is the most common, the calcaneofibular ligament, and the posterior talofibular ligament. Uh, But like I said, that ATFL, as they call it, is the most commonly injured. Um, Yeah, we're probably looking at a grade one sprain here um, for Nick, most likely being taped at this time while working on exercises to improve the stability of that ankle. Um, If you could kind of guess, he's already back playing. Um, He came back after the all-star break and actually went four for five with a pair of triples, walk, and a run scored yesterday on Monday. So doing pretty well, but I'm I'm sure they're going to be cautious with him going forward um, because with with any sprain, I, I, I think you would agree with me, Brandon. Four days isn't quite enough. So I'm sure they're still working um, behind, behind the scenes. He's good enough to play, but they're definitely going to make that more stable uh, here in the in the near future.
0: Yeah, I definitely think that's something that uh, from a healthcare provider perspective, yes, I mean, can we get somebody back like that in four days to be functional and be able to do their job on the field? Sure. But uh, like you said, the, the work isn't done from a rehab standpoint, you can get back out there and play, but definitely work on the stability of that ankle, I mean, is, is super important, even if he is back in four days. So, I mean, you bring up a very good point and, and something that I don't think a lot of non healthcare professionals consider that even though the players back doesn't mean that the rehab game gets shut down as far as uh as the the jerseys i saw that the the reds wore here uh in recent oh, memory did you see yeah. those the, the cutoffs that they wore i'll tell i was listening to
1: another podcast i can't remember which one it was um but they were so true in what they were they were talking about it's just these baseball players we know baseball players are very athletic right but they almost like hide their their musculature on their and their upper in their upper body mm-hmm. like, like that was just scary to look at how muscular that guy is
0: yeah i mean he he was huge yeah, <laughs> I mean, like, there's no other way to put it i mean
1: he's you know these guys are big but like the sleeves just hide it sometimes and i i love that look for the reds they need to do that like every other week or something like that
0: yeah i'd be interested to see if other other teams uh, adopt that uh, moving forward i know for the all-star game and the all-star festivities a lot of the like the the warm-up and practice jerseys were cut off so you saw some of the oh. guys Use it then, but uh, in terms of regular season games, it would be interesting to see if something, this is something that people pull out more often. Yeah, um, how was the All Star game, by the way? It was a blast. It was a blast. I went on uh, on Monday of last week with my youngest brother to the Home Run Derby and got to see Vladdy and uh, Jock just put on an absolute show. And. I mean, you watch it on TV and you see how far these balls are being hit. But I think in person, it was a completely different animal. I mean, they were absolutely destroying these baseballs. And obviously, being an Indians guy, Santana was in it. And we were kind of hoping and pulling for him. And then when he he was out, everybody just wanted a good show. So when Vladdy and Jock were going back and forth and back and forth, everybody was rooting to have another tiebreaker. So the atmosphere was incredible. Um, as far as the game goes on Tuesday, it was a competitive game. Obviously, the American League came out on top, so it was a really a, a bucket list item for me, and I was happy that I was able to check it off. Yeah, your your boy Bieber MVP, right? Yeah, Shane Bieber. Um, I always think back to a couple years ago. Uh, I don't think they did it this year. The the Players Weekend jerseys, where the where the guys got to pick their names that go on the backs of the jerseys just for fun one weekend and. <laughs> Yeah, Uh, Shane Bieber's name on the back of his jersey was always not Justin. Was his his choice? That's that's awesome. (laughs) Jake Arrieta for the Philadelphia Phillies is dealing with a bone spur in his pitching elbow. The plan is for him to avoid surgery for now, Uh, and this dates back really all the way to spring training. He was having some pain and some issues back then, and this has kind of worked through it. Now it's really starting to bark at him and and cause him some trouble. But at this point, there's no intent for him to have surgery. I mean, in terms of rehab. You can work on keeping the elbow and all the surrounding musculature musculature strong. I mean, rehab specifically itself isn't going to change the bone spur at all. It's still going to be there. So the plan is for him to continue to pitch the rest of the season and just deal with the pain. He's uh, 11 and 8 so far this season through 19 starts with a 4.5 ERA, 1.45 whip, and 87 strikeouts. So this is really just going to be a pain management issue for him. In some instances, they, they may shoot him up with a little cortisone to dial back some of that pain. But structurally, that thing's going to be there until they – or if they decide to go in surgically after the season. So definitely something to monitor. Like I said, it's not going to go away, and this could get worse. So something to keep an eye on here for Arietta and the Phillies. For sure. Heading out to the West Coast, Madison Bumgarner of the San Francisco Giants
1: was hit by a line drive um, right before the All-Star break um, by the Cardinals' Jose Martinez. Uh, Matt Bum got caught right on on the left triceps. um, Ended up – he finished the inning – God is at bat because he's such a good hitter, you know, and he's just a tough guy, Brandon. This is, this is a guy that, um, rides quads, dirt bikes. He's, he's just a tough guy. You know, he's got some grit. so He's, he's going go
0: He's country strong. He is so
1: country strong. Even though, even though max months, uh, kind of, kind of owned him that one, that one day telling him to get, get it out of the ocean, even though it's Cisco Bay. But, I did uh, see that. That's neither here nor there. Um, <laughs> But Mad bum suffered a contusion, which is simply a bruise after the x-rays came back negative for a fracture. Um, he's made a he's made a start after the after the all star break, so it seems to be all systems go for Madison Bumgarner. Um, at some point they probably used um, just some soft tissue work, um, some vasocompressive stuff just to get some of that um, some of the swelling, um some of the some of the extra uh, edema in the area out of there. Um, but he seems to be all systems go uh, going forward for the giants.
0: Good news. I mean, anytime you see a liner that comes back up the middle that hits any pitcher in the arm, and we'll hit on Corey Kluber, who dealt with that uh, a little bit later, always uh, kind of hold your collective breath, and definitely the best-case scenario here for Bumgarner. For sure. Carlos Carrasco for uh, the Cleveland Indians, a really unfortunate situation, not something you hear about all that often, was diagnosed with chronic myeloid leukemia. Um, since we last spoke and the good news is is his prognosis and, and our, our very own Dr. Jesse Morris did a nice in-depth video about this diagnosis on our uh, on our YouTube channel as well as our website. So uh, be sure to check that out if you haven't already. But chronic myeloid leukemia, leukemia is uh, kind of uh, cancer in the blood and it's going to impact his ability to fight infection. The team and, and, and Carrasco really do seem optimistic that th- th- this is well under control he really doesn't have any restrictions right now. He's able to work out, but the team really hasn't given a specific timetable as to when uh, he will be back there. I, I did see uh, last week that they were saying he could be back as early as the end of this month, but I, I really wouldn't hold your breath at that. This is something that the Indians are really uh, have maintained firm that they're going to take this thing slow, make sure they're doing what's best for Carrasco because any time the term cancer or leukemia is thrown around. Obviously, it's a pretty scary situation. So uh, his, his return to play timetable it will be uh, is kind of to be determined at this point in time and just really wishing him, his family, and the rest of the Indians organization all the best. Definitely, definitely a, a tough situation
1: in Cleveland. That was just an awesome moment. I, I'm sure you saw all the tweets and stuff, him at the All-Star game, um, just supporting his teammates with all their names on the back. I thought that was a really cool moment.
0: It was fantastic. And, I mean, they all came out there in that stand-up to cancer uh, after the fifth inning where they had the, the names of everybody. And it was the Indi- – I mean, Carrasco, uh, Francona was out there, and the rest of the Indians who made the all-star game. It really was cool. And being that it was in Cleveland, I think, made it all the more special for Carrasco and his family. So, definitely a very cool moment to, to be in attendance for as well. Definitely. Heading out to the West Coast again, we're looking at Tommy LaStella, second baseman
1: for the Los Angeles Angels. Um, on July 2nd, he fouled a ball off his right leg um, against the Rangers and wasn't able to put any weight on it. Brandon, as you and I know, that's never a good sign. Uh-huh. If you cannot bear weight on, the, on a joint. Um, this is more typical for a ball that's fouled off compared to someone that we've discussed uh, before on this podcast, Mitch It's it, you're, you're more likely to foul off your leg than your, uh, <laughs> your downstairs area, which, by the way, still hasn't been cleared for uh, baseball activities. Just a little up- Taking up- forever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, for Listella, it was initially thought to be just a contusion or a, or a bruise within that area along his shin. Um, further testing via a CT scan revealed a tibia fracture. So um, they, they probably did x-rays, and you've seen this before, but if it's not that big of a fracture, it's not going to show on an x-ray right away. Um, so further imaging uh, by the CT scan revealed that fracture. Um, the tibia is just your shin bone. I'm sure the listeners know that. Uh, we're looking at a return to play of 8 to 10 weeks for Listella. So that puts us in late August, early September. Having a great year out there in L.A. Um, he was actually an all-star, had to be replaced, though, um, for the game. Just uh, real unfortunate for him, uh, but he should be back late August, early September for the Angels.
0: Yeah, I mean, worth noting too, I mean, and this is the case most of the time, provided there's routine bone healing, that eight to 10 weeks is is very realistic. So hopefully he doesn't have any complications. If he runs into any complications where the bone's not healing fast enough, then that obviously could be lengthened. I mean, we've seen that a time or two. I see that every now and then clinically. Uh, But the majority of the time, that eight to 10 weeks, as you mentioned, is right on the money. Alex Bregman for the Houston Astros, also an all-star. It seemed like the Astros had a ton of guys at the all-star game. I know Verlander started the game for them. And, I mean, Bregman has has been playing well. He took a ground ball off the chin last week. This was on July 11th. And the the, the ground ball off the chin split his chin open, and it required him to have four stitches placed. He was also put through the concussion protocol, uh, which he was able to clear. I mean, you think about it. I mean, it's not a typical mechanism we see with a concussion, but anytime you take any kind of blow to the head, Aaron, we've talked about this before, it's important, especially now with the heightened awareness of CTE and football and concussions and other sports, that any type of blow to the head, we're putting guys through this concussion protocol. And like I said, he was able to clear that protocol. He was back in the lineup on July 13th. So he's all systems go without any limitations. Again, needed those four stitches, cleared the concussion protocol, and he's back in action for the Houston Astros. That scar looked pretty good. Huh? It it yeah. did. And I mean, when yeah. you get hit by a baseball like that, you almost, it'd almost be nice if you get some of the stitching on your chin because I think it would look a little bit better than just uh, just a nice cut there on, on the chin. Yeah. Um, just Just speaking
1: to, I had this in my pre-show notes. Do you think that the all-star break should be
0: longer? I just can't believe it's four days, right? Yeah. And they play on there and see, I don't know. I think it should be like a week. I think a week would be realistic. I mean, they do cram a lot into a short amount of time. I mean, most teams are playing through Saturday and then they get Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. So the four days, some teams get till Friday and have five, but In in perspective, looking at the the length of the season, as you mentioned, and and the length of the All Star break, I mean, you'd think they'd give them a little bit longer. But I mean, maybe maybe you drop a note in the mail to uh, Commissioner Manfred's office and uh, express your concern about the length of the All Star break and see what he says. I'm sure he's just
1: looking forward to a to a letter from me. He just can't wait for it.
0: (laughs) I'm sure it will be first on his priority list. Yeah, nothing else
1: to worry about in baseball.
0: Nick Hundley for the Oakland Athletics had his knee scope. We talked about this on our last show. We're now here into the injury review or old injuries. And as of July 12th, he had been cleared to begin some baseball activity and actually went out on a rookie-level rehab assignment on July 12th. In that game, he went one for four with a home run. So. He is progressing uh, nicely. He's back to baseball activity in terms of a time frame for his return. I would anticipate he, he probably gets in a few more games at this rookie level rehab assignment and maybe progressing to some double or triple a rehab games before he's back with Oakland. But again, he's progressing in the correct direction out on that rookie level rehab assignment uh, coming off of that knee scope.
1: Moving over here to Pittsburgh, uh, our own Francisco Cervelli. Um, this is just a Series unfortunate events. Shout out to Lemmy Snicket uh, for Cervelli. That's this you know, event.
0: you know, Aaron. That is a wonderful get. I forgot about that. I forgot about that series. I was all about it growing up. And I mean, that's a trip down memory lane right there. They were great. They were from front to back. You could just plow through it in a weekend. Yeah. You now, know? did you, did you read all three? I think there were thirteen. Did you read all thirteen?
1: I did. Yeah. I think that's the only series I ever like read. I mean, I I read some Harry Potter here and there. Uh, But as far as a full series, I mean, that's probably the only one I've made it all the way through.
0: Yeah, I mean, it was just incredibly grabbing and it just sucked you right in. I I, want to say that they were either going to make it into a TV show or maybe even a movie, but I don't know if that ever panned out, but the books were phenomenal. They did remake it on uh, Netflix.
1: And uh, who's the Barney uh, from How I Met Your Mother? What's that guy's name? Oh, gosh. Um, I'll have to look that up while you're talking about Cervelli. Well, he's the uh, Count Olaf guy. So, okay. Okay. Yeah, he's a pretty good actor.
0: yeah. So just a series of
1: unfortunate events for Cervelli. Um, I looked up the stats. This is his sixth concussion since 2011. And if, I don't know if this was a football player, you almost just say like, like when's and like how much is too much for, for this guy? Um, a concussion. Like, like I talked about last week, um, it's just a bio, biochemical cascade that occurs in the brain after a blow to the head. Um, and they actually categorize it as a mild traumatic brain injury at this point. Like you were saying, with all the research that's coming out about the dangers of concussions and all the warning signs, and just the repetitive blows to the head in baseball, it's more of um, one specific, um, more like a catcher c- get catching a foul ball off, off the face mask, um, compared to football, where it's just repeated, repeated blows to the head. Right. Um, like a safety coming across the middle, but most of the time, you see it in a lot of uh, linemen, defensive linemen, um, can result in nausea, light sensitivity. Increase in future concussions as well as other sports injuries. A lot more research is coming out about that. That if you have a concussion within six months of you having the concussion, you're actually in uh, increased risk for any other orthopedic injury, which is just wild to me. Um, sure. This plays into the um, the full body kinetic change Is we we just need proprioception, which is just knowing where your body is in space, um, having that dynamic stability, and just being a hundred percent well to go out there and participate in sports. Um, Cervelli. Told DK Sports here in Pittsburgh um, that he may not catch again. And then on his Instagram, I actually walked back on that comment. Um, so who knows at this point if, if he's going to be able to catch. Um, he's played first, second, and third in his career. Um, but looking at the pirate infield, you have Josh Bell at first. Um, Adam Frazier is playing a good second base. And you have Kevin Newman at short, um, Dickerson, and John Ho Gong at third. I mean, I just don't see where this guy can play. Right. When not catching. So it's just really tough for Savelli. He was hitting around 111 so far this year before he went down. It's just really unfortunate for a guy that just can't seem to um, stay healthy as far as concussions go. And like I said, it just it just um, it's like a snowball effect. Once you get one, you're more more at risk for another. So definitely tough.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I think really the consideration he has to make here, I think he really has one of two options. I I mean, I think I think he's got to say, I'm not going to catch again, or or play somewhere else. Is because when you've got six concussions, I mean, you're you're asking for trouble yeah. and I mean Just, I, I know to a point like I'm an athlete yeah. you were an athlete so I, I understand the love of the game and not wanting to give that up but at some point there there comes a time where you have to put your health and well-being long-term over this short-term gratification of being able to still do it and yeah. uh, I think he's at this fork in the road that he really has to make a, a long and hard decision here yeah I don't know if that's moving
1: teams to find a spot in the infield somewhere for him um, but I wish the best for the guy. You know, he's a great, he's been – ever since he came from the Yankees, he's been a staple here in Pittsburgh. Um, goes out there, plays hard. So my thoughts are just out to Francisco for sure.
0: Pablo Lopez for the Miami Marlins dealing with a shoulder strain was initially placed on the IL back on June 19th. So we're coming up on a month here, Aaron. An MRI that he had on the 20th of June revealed no structural damage. And then he actually started a throwing program on July 1st. So he's about two weeks into that throwing program. As we've mentioned before on previous shows, typically throwing programs will start on flat ground with increasing distances before moving to throwing off of the mound. And he actually threw a 20-pitch bullpen session today. That was courtesy of Wells, Dozenberry, the Marlins beat reporter for the uh, Miami Sun Sentinel. So uh, that's a big step in the right direction. I've got another guy that we'll chat about here in a second who's, who's getting close to throwing off a mound and progressing from that flat ground throwing. Uh, So Lopez is progressing in the right direction. No setbacks to report thus far. He was on the mound today and expect him probably to get an off day tomorrow, and then he'll he'll probably be throwing again come Thursday. Uh, So he's moving in the correct direction without any setback at this time. Awesome news. Heading over to Houston,
1: uh, Carlos Correa dealing with a rib fracture from late May, Um, getting a massage in his home. Validity of that story (laughs) – To be determined. Well, I I don't think we'll ever find out.
0: I don't think we. I don't think as much as we want to. I don't think we ever will either.
1: Who knows? Well, good news. He started a rehab assignment yesterday on Monday, July fifteenth, with Triple A Round Rock. Went 0 for three, but it's just good to see him out there again. I don't really think it matters how he's. Everyone knows he can hit. He's one of the better shortstops in the league at this point. Um, He's eyeing a return for July twenty sixth. That series, um, given he doesn't face a setback during his rehab assignment and. A setback would just include, um, like we've been talking about on previous episodes, whether it's on a on a swing um, where he thinks he can get a get a good bit of it, you know, put a little more mustard behind a swing, um, just those torsional movements, or maybe throwing across the diamond. Um, But it looks like he should be good to go um, for that July twenty sixth series. I think it's against the Cardinals.
0: Yeah, so, I mean, he's been out a while and one of the better players in the game of baseball, so hopefully he's back soon after what I'd consider to be a freak injury here with that rib fracture. Yeah, no, I would agree with that. <laughs> uh, it is Neil Patrick Harris played Barney in How I Met Your Mother is the name that we were looking for. Yep, he's a good actor. Yeah, he's all right. <laughs> Corey Kluber for the Cleveland Indians, uh, dealing with a broken ulna bone in his form. Well, it's not broken anymore, but he was struck by a line drive towards the beginning of the season. He was throwing uh, on flat ground up to 150 feet. And then as of today, uh, news just came out about four hours ago that he will actually throw his first bullpen off the mound tomorrow. And this will be 20 pitches. They will all be fastballs, so no off-speed pitches just yet. So similar point in his process that uh, Pablo Lopez is, being that they're both just getting on the mound, both throwing 20 uh, pitches in the bullpen. So, again, I mean, with, with Kluber, it's just been a matter of bone healing and then getting his arm back up to game shape and getting that shoulder and that, that forearm and that elbow where they need to be. So it's really kind of a long process, especially when it happens to your pitching arm. But Kluber, again, another guy who's taking a step in the correct direction. And hopefully sometime in the month of August is when we'll see him back out there for the Cleveland Indians. That's awesome. Good recovery for him. Corey Seager for the Dodgers. Aaron, hamstring
1: strain, where is he at? He is back. He was activated from the 10-day IL on July 10th after the All-Star break. Um, he got a day off on July 14th, everyone threw a hissy, and they were like, oh my gosh, don't do not do this to us again, Corey Seager, because like we've talked about on previous episodes, you just can't seem to shake that injury bug. Um, had a hip surgery last year, he's done Tommy John surgery, um, and this hamstring strain, they were just praying that it didn't linger, but he's all good, um, turned out to be a day off for rest, went two for five with a double in RBI and two walks on Monday night against the Red Sox. I think they had 19 hits and, like, 16 runs or something like that against the Bo Sox. Just something crazy like that. Yeah, it's nuts. Yeah. yeah, those Dodgers can hit, man. They're scary.
0: <laughs> I think they've I think they got the best odds right now to win the World Series, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, it oh, doesn't surprise me. Luis Severino for the New York Yankees, another guy who threw for the first time. This was yesterday. He had an off day today. He's dealing with a lat strain, which we've talked about before in surgical situations, which Severino didn't have surgery, but in surgical situations, we're looking at an average about of 140 days to return to play uh, for these non-surgical situations. It's about a 100 day return to play timetable. So usually in the neighborhood of three months plus to come back from these things. So He's going to he, – again, he's got the day off today. He'll resume throwing tomorrow. And when he, when he threw yesterday, it was 25 throws off a of flat ground from 60 feet, pretty standard, 20 to 25 throws, flat ground, 60 feet. is, is pretty universal across the league. So he's a guy – when he's out there for the Yankees, he can be extremely dominant, and he, he's missed the better part of this season. But taking steps towards that return, uh, again, he's still early on in his throwing program. So, I mean, I wouldn't anticipate him back soon. But, again, progressing – without setback here thus far, and I would expect him back sometime before the end of the season. With those last
1: thing, it's strange it's just nice with with no setbacks because I, I believe if, if my memory serves me correctly, he did, he did have a setback um, sometime right as the season started. So that's good. It's, it's, it's progressing uh, a lot better this time, Brandon. Yeah,
0: and it I, is. I mean, lat injuries and in pitchers are, are just a pain in the butt yeah. to begin with, and then you, you hit a setback along the way, and that can really kind of dampen the rehab process and make things take a lot longer than they normally would. For sure. And I just
1: wanted to update a guy that I've talked about in the past, uh, Ken Giles, um, up in Toronto, their they're closer. He actually threw a 20-pitch bullpen um, today. And according to the pitching coach, Pete Walker, his fastball had lots of life. So look to see Ken
0: Giles back here at some point, um, possibly within two weeks. Yeah, so I mean, I, I'd anticipate hopefully by the time we record next, um, I, gosh, we'll be at the, the tail end of July. Hopefully he's, he's back at that point in time. And he could be a trade target
1: too. I know we were talking about that. So I'm sure there are other teams uh, checking up on his process as well.
0: Yeah, I mean, we're just we're just two weeks away from the deadline. And I believe this year that, at least I think it's this year, there's only one trade deadline. They've got the waiver and then the non-waiver trade deadline. So I think it's just one this year. Yeah. Speaking, awesome. of, speaking of waivers, uh, Aaron, this is week number hey, two. I,
1: All
0: right. It was an unintentional segue, but I
1: mean, I'll take credit for it. All right. So – Aaron's waiver wires of the week. I just made that up, Brandon. Not bad. Not original at all, but we're going to (laughs) stick with it. Kel Franco, third baseman for the Phillies, um, about 27% owned in leagues, slashing 354, 403, 662 over the last 30 days. You're going to take that every single day of the week from a guy that's 27% owned in leagues. Um, Obviously, Andrew McCutcheon has a torn ACL, so we won't see him this year. Um, so Kingery is going to stay out in the outfield, giving Franco um, a ton of time at third base there for the Phillies. Low strikeout rate and has 15 home runs on the season. You certainly can do worse um, off the waiver wire. And another guy, uh, no pitchers this week. I'm just going to stick with position players. Um, a guy here that I actually – I used to work at the Altoona Curve, Brandon. They're uh-huh. the, uh, the A affiliate of the Pirates, sure. Um, that's, I'm from Altoona, a holidaysburg technically. Um, but I worked for a couple summers at the Altoona Curve. And this guy was a pleasure to watch every time he came come up to the plate, and that is Adam Frazier, 21% owned in uh, Fantasy Baseball League, slashing 283, 337, and 411 this season. And I, the thing I loved about him is he just had a great approach to the plate, always just seemed to hit, hit the ball hard. He, he, you're going to get out in baseball, but he was always a tough out, just, hit, just spraying it all over the field. He um, has a nice compact swing. Um, he's getting consistent opportunities in the Pirates lineup. He can play second base. He plays the outfield. He plays anywhere in the field. Really, he's a great utility player. Um, this season, he has a forty-two point seven hard contact percentage, um, and he's slashing 500, 529 twenty-nine, five fifty-six, and eight twenty-four in July. Mm. So, just like Franco, you can do you can definitely do worse on the waiver wire um, so for these two out or these two infielders here um, as you as we progress here into the season.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think it's always fun to see some of these younger guys that you're able to catch them in single A, double A AA, or triple A and kind of watch them come up and watch them to progress and then see them make it to the bigs. I mean, I think you have a greater appreciation for the work that they've put in and just just watching them grow as they move their way through major league systems.
1: And just knowing what they went through. I mean, the, the minor league salary certainly isn't kind to these guys and just the lifestyle that they have to live. So it's great to see them finally settle down in a, in a major league city and get their family started, and it's all good stuff. Good for them.
0: You know, I, I had to do a double take the first time I saw Adam Frazier's name pop up for the Pirates because I actually went to high school with an Adam Frazier, and he was, a, he was a teammate of mine on the basketball team, and I knew he had played baseball, and I didn't think that he had gone to play baseball in college, but I had to do a quick uh, Google search to see if it was him or this was just happened to be another Adam Frazier, and it was obviously, in fact, another Adam Frazier, but it uh, made me look twice real quick. For sure. The old, uh, Adam, this
1: this Adam Frazier is a Mississippi State Bulldog. Just they just it's a them them, Clemson and Vanderbilt, which just baseball central.
0: And are just powerhouses. This is truly. This day in baseball history, we're sitting here on July 16th, got three dates for you, like we do every week, Aaron. The first one we're gonna turn back the clock to eighteen ninety-seven when right. the first baseman for the Colts, his name was Cap Anson, became the first major leaguer to collect three thousand hits. He had a single off of George Blackburn and Cap Anson at the time was 45 years old and that (laughs) that hit came into a 2-1 loss to uh, Baltimore while in this game was played in Chicago's uh, west side grounds so 1897 Cap Anson first player with 3,000 hits at the very young age of 45. The Tom Brady of the MLB. It really was I mean I I remember it like it was yesterday. (laughs) Fast forward to 1969, Rod Carew stole home in the, uh, for the seventh time that season, which was a new American League record. He tied Pete Reeser's Major League mark uh, for the number of times stealing home in one season. But uh, there was additional research that was performed, and uh, a few years later, in 1991, the record was actually given back to Ty Cobb, who had stolen home not seven times, but eight times in 1912. So Rod Crew held the record for a handful of years, only to have it taken from his grasp and given back to the, the great Ty Cobb. That's got to be tough because
1: after a few years, you're not going to have that same zip in your step, you know? Right. There's so no way,
0: no way for you to, to, to take that record back. I mean, you're just kind of yeah. at, the, at the vices of the record book. And I mean, there it goes. Just like that. Life hits you fast, Brandon. It, it does. 2006. It is the last date I've got here for you guys? Mariano Rivera records his 400th career save. He pitched two innings, in the Yankees win over the White Sox. And he became the fourth major league reliever at that time to reach the 400 save milestone. Also on that list: Lee Smith, Trevor Hoffman, and John Franco. So, 400th save for Mariano Rivera came in this date, July 16th, 2006. The Sandman, just a. Uh, oh. Ice in his veins, baby. Yeah, I mean, he and a guy – I mean, him and guys like Hoffman, I mean, when they came in the game in the ninth yeah. inning, I mean, game over. I was going to say, I know Hoffman was
1: appreciated, but I feel like he was almost underappreciated because he was on the West Coast. I don't think anyone, like – he almost had, like, that West Coast bias is, like, no one's able to watch him. He's just collecting save
0: records, like, every year.
1: Yeah, That's I mean – I think I think he goes
0: down as, as one of the best closers in MLB history. And like yeah. you said, I mean, I, I very much agree that I think he was, in fact, underappreciated. Yeah. We appreciate him here on the Fantasy Doctors MLB podcast. Of course. We appreciate Trevor Hoffman. We appreciate Neil Patrick Harris. Uh, you <laughs> name it. Uh, all the love to those guys here tonight. With that, we're going to wrap things up for episode six of the Fantasy Doctors Major League Baseball podcast. Aaron, do you have any final thoughts? This is the last time that we will talk to the listeners prior to your board exam. There's anything that you want to leave them with before you hit the books and you go into your room for a couple of weeks, and then we'll we'll talk to you at the end of the July. You have anything else to say? Yeah. Any any positive thoughts, positive vibes? I'll take it. Um,
1: thank you guys for listening. This is this has been a good. People are like, oh, why are you still doing that? Like, you should be studying, but like I feel I find like this is a good um, good escape. You just can't lock yourself in a room and study for twelve hours a day. So preparing for the show, talking to you, Brandon, it's definitely a nice escape from, from studying and the, the day-to-day. So I appreciate all the listeners. I
0: appreciate you, man, and looking forward to keep it going the rest of the summer. And it's always a, you always got to make sure you find that balance. There's only so much studying you can do, and it sounds like you've got that balance on behalf of the, the rest of the fantasy doctors and all the listeners. Aaron, we, we all wish you luck. You're going to do fantastic on this exam, and then uh, you get to Kraken is working as a PT. So all the best to you here uh, next Thursday so with that be sure to follow us all on twitter the fantasy doctors at the fantasy drs myself at bl bowers 12 and aaron berger at aaron berger underscore pt be sure to check out the fantasy doctors website www.thefantasydoctors.com and as always please review us uh what on whatever medium you consume the fantasy doctors podcast or that's on itunes on, on stitch i mean wherever, wherever you can find it uh, be sure to download and review us there Until next time in episode seven, which will be in two weeks. So that looks like that'll be recorded on July 30th. We'll be talking to Aaron on the flip side of his board exam. We'll talk to you guys next time and have a good couple weeks.